You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. Father, we are in awe of you. We have been uh, worshiping together. We've been lifting our voices. We have honored you in that. And we pray, God, that you've prepared our hearts now to hear from your word, uh, beginning with me, Lord, that we'd be very careful listeners of what you have to say to us today. And so prepare our hearts for that. Help us to set aside all of the things that were on our minds as we were coming in here, unless you're using those, Lord, as the frame for what we need to hear from your word right now. Uh, So God, do your work for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It is a privilege to be here. I'm not near as old as your pastor makes me out to be. I left my walker in the car and uh, managed to get in here and... uh, what a great privilege it is uh, for Sue and I to be here again. We were here a few years ago, and, uh, but to be back and uh, to open God's word for you today. And, uh, you know, it was interesting when I talked to Pastor Daryl about coming. Um, he said, you know, because I've been away, the people in here have a lot of one-off messages and all the rest, and, and so we're in, we're in Thessalonians. Could you preach a message from Thessalonians. I said, well, whatever you want. And he said, well, could you preach a message, and I'll tell you what the text is, and then he got it to me, I'm, the, the whole chapter of chapter three. And uh, so that was fine. I thought, sure, I can do that. I'd preach through Thessalonians in our church, and, and so I can make that work. And, um, and then I, uh, on Monday of this past week, I, I got online because I wanted to hear last week's message. So I'd kind of know like where to go with this week's message. And because it's God's word and like the verses, they follow one after another. Maybe you've noticed that as you're reading, the verses follow one after the other. And all of a sudden, I, I'm going like there's no message from the third. It's like, what incompetent person hasn't put the message up yet? And uh, so on Tuesday, I called the office and found out there was no incompetent person. It was the fact you had a storm and uh, weren't here. And uh, so that changed the focus of my message a little bit because the reality of this message is coming to prayer. And that's what we want to come to. Such a blessing for uh, me to come here this morning and meet with a group of about 20 people out in the foyer and pray. And then to come into the room back here and pray with the elders. And I know that there's a spirit of prayer as a primary focus of your church. It should be. And, and don't don't ever lose that. It's so much the uh, power of God's working in us and, uh, and just blessed by that. Um, but all of a sudden, the way I was going to frame this message was gone because the verses before hadn't been, hadn't been preached. And so I'm still preaching from chapter three, but I'm going to sneak back into chapter two. And now you're thinking, oh no, he's going to preach two sermons in one message. And I'm not really going to do that because I want to take the frame of the first part and help us to understand why it fits, and just hearing the story of your church and what's going on and hearing Pastor Darrell's comments today, and I've called this message, when the going gets tough, God's people pray. When the going gets tough, God's people pray, and um, you know, I'm so thankful for the people in my life who pray for me. Um, my greatest prayer warrior is sitting right there in the second row. Um, she knows my frailties. She knows my weaknesses. She knows all those things about me. And, and Sue prays for me. 
Um, uh, we uh, just finished up our ministry at Harvest York Region, but a whole group of people, we've been getting the letters and the cards and going, Pastor, we're praying for you as you move into a new role, and people who pray for us, our kids pray for us, and we pray for them, and it's so important that, that we have people who, who are praying for us, and as Paul is uh, writing this letter to this church, um, he realized uh, their need for prayer. Uh, he did this all over the place. In, in Philippians, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Uh, and he prayed for them, and he prayed for them. That's, that's what he did. Um, and he prays for these people, but he prays for them because they're coming out of a journey uh, that's been difficult. They're coming out of a time that's been hard. And uh, we're going to look at that from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And so if you've got your Bibles, uh, get them open there because uh, we want to read some verses and then I'm going to go back and, and dive into uh, kind of the context of all of this, but then what Paul did. So this is a habit I started in our church. I'd love you to do it with me this morning. Would you stand with me? I want to honor God as we uh, read his word. And uh, I'm just going to read verses 6 uh, through to the end of the chapter, and then we'll frame the message out of that. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your, you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all that we do, as we, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. As we hold it in our hands, you have preserved it. You have protected it for us. It's just another book on the shelf. This is your word. And I pray, God, as we hear it today, our hearts would be stirred. When it is difficult... Prayer wouldn't be the last thing we do. Lord, you would teach us, and it becomes so relevant in our lives, it becomes the first thing we do. Instead of crying out to others with our complaint, we'd cry out to you with our complaint. Instead of crying out to others looking for help, we'd cry out to you looking for help. Father, teach us how to do that. Teach us from your word today. But Lord, I pray also that you would encourage us as we, we hear your word. Encourage us to realize that we are going through it, but we don't go through it alone because you promise you'll never leave us and you will never forsake us. Oh God, please do this work for your glory. Give us ears to hear your word, minds to understand it, and then the faith, God, to passionately live out because of all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, let me just say this. If, um, if hard times aren't in your life right now, they're coming. Um, we were never promised a life of ease. We were never promised that we were going to go through life and it wasn't going to be a struggle. 
All God's kids get it. At some point or another, difficulties come. They come in all kinds of different ways. They, they might come for you in a, a sudden job loss or in a sudden illness or a, a sudden death of someone or uh, maybe just getting some bad news about something or, or an attack that you feel that you're under, a, an attack of your faith or um, Maybe even persecution. People all around the world suffer these things. We've been so blessed and separated by so much of that in our nation. But the reality is, if you watch the trajectory of where things are going, it's going to be more difficult. It's not going to be easy. And so the reality is, we're all going through it. Hard times come for everyone. I, re I remember the, uh, the day that I, I got the call from Sue that uh, her mom had died. I was away, I was down in Toronto, we were up in uh, Muskoka at the time, and uh, it seemed like I was a million miles away from her. And uh, I packed up the car and I got home as quick as I could, and I remember that. I, I remember when uh, she got hit by a car in, in Muskoka and spent a month in the hospital. And uh, a year and a half ago, I had a heart attack and was laid low. And uh, growing back in that and learning and God working. As a matter of fact, if you were here when I was here the last time, I didn't look like this. I'm as ugly as I ever was, but I was like 80, 90 pounds more than I am right now. And uh, just God did something. Everybody's going through it. In some way or another, we all are facing it, and it's difficult for us. Um, this text in, uh, that, that Paul writes to the church and um, the, to the Thessalonians, he, he uses words in, in chapter 1 and verse 6, he uses the word afflicted. Um, and you became imitators of us and, of, and the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. He uses the same uh, word in chapter 3 and verse 3, um, the part of our text that we'll get to today. And uh, that word affliction is that, that idea of being under pressure like a grape that's about to be squished. Um, that was the kind of pressure that they felt. He uses the word suffer in 2.14 and in 3.4. He uses the word that they were torn away from them. Um, other words that the Bible uses to describe this struggle that we go through would be words like trials or temptations or conflict or pain or testing. And Paul sees all of this and sees what the church is going through and he's trying to help them understand that they have this framework, but in the middle of all of this framework of suffering and hard and difficult, God promises, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to take you through this. Together, we're going to go through, and God will get the glory um, at the end. And um, so I want to talk to you in the first part of this message, really to set up the part about prayer, uh, some principles about affliction, some principles about affliction. Uh, lest you think, if you just uh, think good thoughts and everything's going to be fine and you're going to have a three-car garage and you're going to have a big bank account and it's all going to be sweet and lovely, you're just not reading your Bible. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's promised. The difference between us and the world, the, it, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's a result of sin. Um, but how we handle that affliction as believers is so different because of the one who goes through it with us. And so here's three or a few principles, three principles I want to help us quickly today and then move into prayer. Here's the first one. Affliction is coming. It's coming. Uh, just understand that. Uh, don't be surprised by it when it comes because it's, it's coming. Um, we should expect to suffer. Joseph was thrown into a pit and then into prison. 
And he said at the end, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Job lost everything he had, including his health. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have kids. Ruth lost her husband. Gideon faced a massive army. Jeremiah was to deliver a difficult message that would not be believed. Stephen was stoned to death. Paul had a thorn in the flesh and was, and was rejected in most of the places he went to. Following his conversion to Jesus Christ, he spent more of the rest of his life in prison than outside of prison. And yet in the midst of all of that, I was just saying in London last week, in, in, in the midst of all that, uh, Paul's writing these words. Um, we were in the book of Ephesians last week, and, and, and he's writing from prison, not understanding, will the people even actually ever get this letter? Will they ever actually get to read it? Will it and, then, and God preserved it. And there's not a person in this room or in that room last week that hasn't been impacted by his work, how God worked through him in the midst of all of that. Don't be surprised when the hard thing comes. In 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. And it begins with us. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Hard times are going to come. Don't be surprised. But here's the second thing. Hard times are going to come. Don't be moved by that. See, I think what happens so often, the hard time comes, whatever your journey is, the health report or the loss of a job, or the, and you all of a sudden, you move directly to, woe is me, my life is hard, where did God go? And... Um, when it gets hard, don't be moved. Don't get off target. In the, in the good times, it's, it's easy to read your Bible and to pray. I was so thankful to hear uh, from your pastor that even in this journey that he's gone through, that time in the Word, time in prayer, time, Lord, what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. Help me figure this out. But don't lose your focus. Don't be moved. Don't get off target. When it's hard, it's time to lean in, not time to lean out and... Uh, so often when we run into a difficult thing, we just kind of cocoon into ourselves and we're not praying anymore and we're not asking people to help us. The people that have been so supportive along the way, we've kind of set them aside and affliction's coming, don't be moved. When affliction comes, don't be tempted. Don't be tempted, especially tempted to sin. When uh, struggles come, I begin to permit bad attitudes in my heart, impatience or anger or bitterness or or envy, I look around and I go, how come, how come, how come that guy in the world, how come he's got it so good? And here I am just trying to love Jesus. And I've got it hard. Um, and envy can come. And I begin to wonder if God is real, is the Bible really working? And bad habits can begin. I stop praying. I stop having fellowship with other people. Maybe, maybe as you hear that today, you resonate with that because you're going through the hard thing. And, and your answer has been, well, woe is me. And instead of leaning in, you've been leaning out. Um, when hard times come, don't be moved. It's time to lean in. Don't be tempted. And um, 
And then here's the bonus point. I'll look to your example, Hebrews 12, 2 to 4. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of your, of your blood. Affliction, it's coming. Affliction is coming. Um, I remember um, after my heart attack, and I was laid low for a period of time. I was out of our church for uh, six or seven weeks and then had to kind of make my way back into that. And, and God did a miracle in all of that in my life, and I'm just so thankful for that. I had, to, I had to learn some things, too. I was burning the candle at both ends. I am 60 years old. You love, people love making reference to how old I am now. I, I'm very hurt by that. I just want you to know. Um, and, and I was just... I was crazy. Like, who do you think you are? You're, first of all, you're not 40. And even if you were 40, you shouldn't have been doing half the stuff you were doing. And, uh, and I believe that God laid me low, partly because of genetics. My mom had a quadruple bypass when she was about my age. And why couldn't I see that? Why couldn't I figure that out? I needed to do something different. I didn't. And so that was a part of it for sure. But, but for sure, being way too heavy and uh, being unhealthy in my uh, eating habits and my exercise habits, that was part of it too. But, but part of it was just, who do you think you are? You think you're the answer to this church? You're not the answer to this church. And I preached it, preached it a lot of times. I said, you know what? If I get hit by a bus, the church will still go on, right? And I would say it, but somehow I believed it was dependent on me. And, uh, and I had to learn through all that some things that God was, was teaching me in those things. And, and my affliction had a purpose, and I had to work my way through that. But your afflictions, afflictions and trial, they have a purpose. Sometimes it's to reveal your heart. Sometimes it's to correct or to prune or to strengthen or, or um, just to bring you back into a right focus. It was uh, Peter who wrote in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, in this you rejoice that, that now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuous of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is, th- excuse me, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, what you're going through right now, what the struggle is that you're facing, and if you're not facing one, well, hold on tight because it's coming. Um, there's a purpose to that. And the purpose of it is to bring our eyes back, to get our eyes focused on God, whatever he's trying to teach you. Um, I remember after Sue was in a motor vehicle accident, she was, she was a pedestrian and was hit, was in the hospital for a month. And uh, I remember um, when she was in the hospital, morphine's a wonderful thing when you're in the hospital. And, uh, and, uh, but she was starting to recover and all the rest of it. And I remember one day I went in to see her and, and she said this to me. She said, I'm not sure what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. Because if you don't learn it the first time, you're going to learn it. Uh, Maybe a different set of circumstances, a different thing. If you don't learn to lean on the Lord, you're going to go through something else. And eventually, uh, God will bring you to the place where you learn to lean on him because the affliction that we face, it has a purpose. Um, And God may feel in your affliction, in what you're going through today, like he's a long way off. Lean in. Don't give up. 
The God who is faithful, who sent his son to sit and stand in your place so you could have eternal life. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is your hope in the difficult time. Affliction has a purpose. Now, here's the third thing. How do I stand when I'm afflicted? There are a number of things in the text that, that we see, things that we need. And I'm just really quickly going to go through this, but we need love and care. We see in chapter 2 and verse 18, we see the care that, that Paul has for these people and they needed that. He, they needed passionate support. We see that in verse 19 of chapter 2. Um, they need that support. You know, if the Lord ever allows you to lead someone to Christ, I trust you've had that privilege. You've had the privilege to pray with somebody and they've trusted Christ. They need you. They need you. Not that you're the answer to their struggle. The Lord's the answer to their struggle. But isn't it amazing that God uses us in those things? God works through us. We are his ambassadors in those times. And how do I stand when I'm afflicted? I need people around me who love and care for me. I need passionate support. I, I need somebody to stand with me. And the Lord promises to stand with us, but that's what true fellowship is in Christ. Fellowship is doing life together. And when it's hard, it's doing that life together in Christ. Not to fear, but to look back and see God's faithfulness. Look up and, and, and be in the word. Look inward and allow God reveal himself to you. Um, we need people around us. That's how we stand when we're afflicted. So that's kind of the setting that brings us really to what I wanted to get to today. These people, in their walk with Christ, they were going through it. It was difficult for them. And so what did Paul do for them? He prayed for them. He prayed for them. Um, uh, we were um, at the Shawardas last night. They took care of us last night. Wonderful. And we're thankful for that. And uh, we were talking about some lessons we've learned in ministries and in our past. And, and one of them is, was, um, you know, when people come and say, will you pray for me? Right? I always used to just say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Of course I'll pray for you. And then I would forget probably half the time. How many of you are guilty of that? You said you'd pray for somebody? Yeah, sure. If you didn't put your hand up, now you're a liar. So it's like, no, but if you, if you said, you'll pray for you, and then I didn't pray for you, like, I've been so guilty of that in my life. And we were challenged in ministry once, stop doing that. Stop saying, I will pray for you. Instead, say, let's pray right now. Let's just stop. Let's pray right now. What, what's this I'll pray for you if I remember somewhere down the road? You don't write it down. And then the older you get, you can't even remember to buy milk on the way home. You're never going to remember to pray for them, right? And, uh, and so uh, that's, Sue's been so good at that, taught me so much in that. And, and just, we pray, because we need that. We need God's people who are, who are praying for us and who are focused on that. And, and that's what Paul does uh, for these people. And uh, when you're going through it, you need to pray. And you need to know that people are praying for you. And so as we uh, take a look at, the, at our text, really, in this part I read, I, I want us to see some of the principles that come out of that. I, I, again, so encouraged in your church to see the value, the high value of prayer. The high, don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that. I remember in our church, as we were growing as a church, and we went through a time as the elders of evaluation in our church, and um, we were looking at the four pillars and talking about them, and, and we talked about how we're doing in this one and how we're doing in this one, so how are we doing in the preaching of the word, and well, you got what you got, but the guy's doing the best he can, and so praise the Lord for that, and you can always grow, but how are we doing in worship? You have an amazing worship team that leads you, and worship isn't just what happens on the platform, it's our life all the time, but, but we, got, we were working hard at 
that. And, and, and so we're, we're, we're a young church, and we're like, okay, so evangelism and prayer, how are we doing with those? And we could see things we were doing in evangelism that needed to grow, but we really were convicted of the Lord. We needed to pray more. We need to pray more. We're not praying enough. And uh, so we started to do some things differently. And, and it was amazing. God changed our church. Um, we started to pray prayers of faith, asking God to do some things. Lord, would you take us from a 200 to 300? Would you take us from 300 to 400? And Now, be careful what you pray for, right? Because you pray for you're at 200. Lord, would you take us to 300? And 100 messed up people show up, right? It wasn't, it wasn't just, oh, 300 more people are going to give in the offering. With that came all the struggles of that extra 100 people. And then 400. Lord, would you give us 400? And another 100 messed up people showed up because they're just like you and I are, right? And then God grew our church and, and he grew our church to when I was finished, by his, grace, by his grace, not because of me, just look at this, right? Thousand people meeting together. The Lord allowed us to plant two churches and that's what God did. Why? Because we became focused about, Lord, we need you to do this. We need to do this for your glory and help us, Lord, how we do that. And uh, prayer, the focus of prayer. And uh, so what did Paul do? Well, his prayer, first of all, is focused in thanksgiving. Um, starting in verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast, in the Lord. And then he says this, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. We need to have faith-filled, thanksgiving-filled prayers. Um, uh, Sue and I were at a prayer night last night on, before we came down here for the new church, Hope Toronto North, and met with about 40 people in the room. And it was so cool to be with them because I remember when we were 40 people in the room. I remember when Durham, our first trans, was 40 people in the room. I remember when Newmarket was 40 people in the room. And I was talking with Brian, and he goes, like, I, I remember that here. I remember that here. And uh, it's good to look back. It's good to remember. It's good to trust the Lord and watch what God does. And, and, and he was filled with thanksgiving uh, for these people. Um, the value of God at work in our lives. And so you don't just have to make it about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving could certainly be about the things he was doing in the church for them, for the Thessalonians. But you know what? Do you take time to rehearse God's goodness to you in praise and in adoration and in thanksgiving? Because when the difficult time comes, not if, when the difficult times come, you're going to look back and you're going to remember God's faithfulness and his goodness. And, and if you don't have that kind of in your, in your um, chest, if you don't have that stored up ready to, it's going to be like, Lord, woe is me. Life is so hard for me. And instead of, man, I can remember what God did for me. And I've used some illustrations in this message. I remember what God did for me in my heart attack. I remember what God did for me in, in Sue's situation. I remember what God's done. I know how God has worked for us. And I'm not perfect at this, believe me. I can be a woe is me person just like everyone else in the room can be. But God help us that when, when we come to the difficult time, just as Paul does, he rehearses with thanksgiving for them. That's what he said to the church in Philippi. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Was it a perfect church? 
Messed up church, just like this church is. Messed up people, just like this church is. But Paul could look back and he could remember the stories of what God had done and how God had worked and how lives had been changed. Remember, be filled with thanksgiving. Um, he saw their faith. He remembered their faith, it says, um, as the good news of your faith and the love and Paul remembered their stories. Paul knew the stories of people who had come from darkness to light, how they had put their trust in Jesus Christ. Um, do you rehearse that before the Lord? You know, every day before your feet hit the ground, you should be on the, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you for all you've done and what you've done in my life. And Remembering that day you trusted Jesus Christ when you went from darkness to light, when your hope became not about you and what you were trusting and your hope became in the Lord and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, follower of Jesus Christ. Go back to that as the foundation every day, living out of that hope of your faith. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you don't have that significant, that most important piece that's the foundation that we live our lives out from. Paul's like, I remember your faith. I remember seeing, I remember you coming to Christ. And, and then he's like, I remember how you grew up in Christ because there's saving faith and then there's growing faith. And he's talking about both of those things. But if you're here today, it's not about how good you can be or what you can accomplish. It's about where's your hope? What are you landing on? What is your, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Some people say, well, the worst thing that could happen is I'd get hit by a bus. I would die. Are you kidding? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's the best thing that could happen to you. You're, you're going straight to heaven might be difficult for the people who get left behind. Um, if you put your faith in Christ, if you put your hope in him, if you trusted that work that we sang about in the songs today, so clearly today, the work of Christ and what he's accomplished for us, not your work, not your hope, not your striving after God, but what God has done in bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and be saved. Paul was focused with thanksgiving on their faith and he's focused on their love he was just filled with thanksgiving for them. Our prayers as people who are living in this world need to be prayers filled with thanksgiving. Here's the second thing. They need to be prayers that are focused with intensity, focused on intensity. Look at, at verse 10. In verse 10 it says, as we pray more earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Notice the intensity of that. Um, night and day, night and day. Well, we're going to come to that part of it, but he starts that we pray more earnestly for you, more earnestly for you. Um, you need to pray more earnestly for your pastor. He's, he opened his heart and told you the story on last Sunday and, and, and then today, and you need to pray more earnestly for him. Um, you need to pray more earnestly for the elders. I, I've only heard the stories, but the stories of how the elders have worked through this time and seeking to lead the church and you know, it'd be easy to go, why aren't they doing it? Why aren't they what? Just pray more earnestly for them. God has given you godly men who are leading the church. And that word earnestly speaks of intensity. It's hard work. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Um, 
Pray earnestly, crying to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Praying earnestly to the Lord is is getting before him. It's it's getting down on your knees before God. When, When was the last time that you bowed your knee before the Lord in prayer? It's a posture because you could be kneeling on the outside in, in your heart. You're not really. You're just like it's a show, right? But, but earnestly praying on your face, on the ground, crying out to God for his help and his strength in your journey, whether it's kneeling or standing or laying down. Um, it needs to be done in public. It needs to be done privately. But we need to earnestly pray, earnestly pray. A year ago, one of the elders, was one of my elders, came to me. It was last January, and he said um, he, was at, he was down in, um, again, I think it was, for a funeral of a family member. And uh, he had been praying for his mom and praying for his mom and praying for his mom. And, and while they were at the funeral, his mom trusted Christ. This man prayed earnestly. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. Paul's prayer for them was a prayer of thanksgiving. Paul's prayer for them was a prayer of intensity. Maybe, maybe you have a, a wayward child. Maybe one of your kids is sideways with the Lord. And, uh, and you've almost given up. You don't give up. You never give up. As long as there's breath, you don't give up. You pray earnestly for them. You trust God to do something. You don't try and be the Holy Spirit. You don't try and manipulate it to be what you want it to be. But, but you be faithful. You live out. You don't, you don't compromise on your faith, but pray earnestly for them. The health report you got, and you're like, ah, oh, it's not good, or heard a report. Pray earnestly for them. It's amazing what God does. Um, pray earnestly. Paul prayed with thanksgiving. Paul prayed with intensity. Here's the next thing, frequently. He prayed frequently. He says, night and day. Night and day he prayed for them. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Um, Prayed night and day. Um, it's funny, as I get older, I, I find myself awake in the night. I never used to find myself awake in the night. I, I got to make a trip to the washroom at least once in the night. Sorry for telling you that. It's my testimony today. And, uh, but you know what? When I get back in bed, I can't get back to sleep. What do you do? Well, you can lay there and mope, but I can't get to sleep. Or you can pray. Um, I can pray um, night and day. Um, you wake up, the Lord puts something on your heart. Pray about it. Don't think, oh, I need to think about that. Or, you know, just pray. Pray night and day. When you're driving down the roads in St. Catharines, pray. When you're um, getting into your workplace and you're riding in the elevator, you see people are there. Do you pray? Um, This is something I'm going to start doing more and more again. Um, When I'm driving around southern Ontario, every time I go past, I'm going to work towards this, every time I go past St. Catharines, I'm going to pray for your church. I'm going to go by Oakville, I'm going to pray for the church. When I go by Toronto West, I'm going to pray for their church. Right? There's so many things that God can use for us to pray. He says, praying night and day. That's what he did for them. If we desire to see and expect God to move as we pray, we need to be people of God who pray consistently. We need to be people of God who pray effectively. We need to be people of God who pray frequently. Um, when you're with your kids, don't miss opportunities to pray. As I said before, don't just say, I'll pray for you. Actually do it with people. Because that's what Paul did. I pray earnestly for you. 
He saw them in their struggle. He saw them in their hurt. And he was filled with thanksgiving. I pray earnestly for you. I pray night and day for you. Here's the next one. His prayer was focused on the sovereignty of God. He realized that God was the source of all of this. He wasn't the answer to what they needed. God was. And verse 11 says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. He realized who was in control. He knew who the source was. He knew who the resource was. Um, we do our part faithfully, passionately, consistently, with endurance, but then we have to leave the results in God's hands. We leave the results in God's hands. Why? Because he is sovereign. He is in control. It's not mine to manipulate. It's God to sovereignly rule in our lives. And I love that, that he kind of hits that for them to remember that God himself, God himself, first of all, when you cry out to the Lord, God himself hears your prayer. But realize he's in control. He's the one who's in control. Um, uh, Peter wanted the thorn in his flesh taken away. He prayed, Lord, take it away, take it away. Three times he prayed it away. He goes, I'm not taking it away. I'm not taking it away. You're going to have that because if I take it away, you're going to be boastful. You're going to become arrogant. And so you're going to have that so you'll always remember. Um, sometimes the Lord allows us to carry these things. I, I broke my ankle when I was playing hockey. That was an end of a mediocre career for sure. And, uh, and, and I remember that every day I get up and, and uh, it's stiff and I got to move and I got to, I remember it. And uh, the Lord's not going to take that away. I don't think. I think it's good for me to remember some of these things. And, and God uses those in our lives. Why? Because he is sovereign. He is in control. And then the last thing about his prayer, it was a prayer that was focused on faith. Again, verses 12 and 13. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of the saints. His, his prayer was focused in faith. He prayed that they would grow, that they would increase and abound in love. It would be for one another. He prayed that, uh, that, that they would establish their hearts, that they would be blameless and holy before the Lord. He, and he looked forward to what is coming for us. Paul had, Paul had great faith. He believed that God could work in them. He believed that God could work through them. He believed that God would do those things. And he was a man of faith. When, when the going gets tough, God's people pray. Well, so what? It was my little ditty. Did it every time I preached a sermon in York Region. So what? Yeah, I get it, Pastor. Hard times are going to come. I'm feeling them right now. I'm going through my thing, and I get it. Theoretically, I'm supposed to pray. Like, no, no, no. So what? What's the thing the Lord's put on your heart today is the thing that you need to do in response to a message like this that, that you've heard that comes right out of God, God's word. The affliction's coming. Don't be surprised. Don't be moved. Don't be tempted. Be grounded in who the Lord is. Affliction has its purpose. Don't forget that God's in control. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you. Well, so what? When the hard thing comes, your hard thing today, will you pray? 
And will you pray prayers of thanksgiving because God has been so good to you and God is so faithful? Will you remember those things that God has done? Will you pray with an intensity? I'm going to pray earnestly about this. I'm not going to passively pray for my student, my, my, uh, my, uh, my kid. I'm, I'm not going to passively pray for them. They're your child. I'm not going to passively pray for my coworker. I'm going to, I'm going to pray earnestly for them. I'm going to do it every time the Lord puts them on my heart. I'm going to pray for them night, and I'm going to pray for them in the day. I'm going to pray trusting God for his result. And I'm going to pray prayers of faith, asking God to do what only he can do. See, the hard times are coming, for sure. You write it down. If you're not in it right now, mark this down in your notes. The guy said hard times are coming, because probably before the week's over, something's going to happen. And will they come? Will you be a person of prayer? When the hard times come, godly people, God's people, pray. And then God works, and he does what only he can do for his glory, and he does it in us and through us, the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of it. There's been so much we've tried to cover today, but Lord, to understand the difficulty comes. But as Paul watched these people, what did he do for them? He prayed for them. He prayed for them. So, Lord, in the difficulty that this church has gone through, would we be a people of God who pray? And then as we watch and see what you do, rejoice in your goodness and how you never leave us, you never forsake us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the trials that come. Not because they're easy, not because we want them even, but, Lord, because they refine us, they prune us, they teach us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author the perfecter, the founder of our faith. Teach us, God, to walk uprightly before you, praying always in every situation for your glory to be revealed in and through us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.